In this episode of the Meaningful Media Podcast, I'm joined by Gerald Apubonsu, Lead Investment Manager of Habas Boost. Gerald talks us through the program and shares some of his experience. It's a fascinating conversation. Gerald, tell us a little bit about your personal journey. Yeah, absolutely. I was born and raised in London. Mm-hmm. I grew up in South London in Camberwell. I guess origins, I can say we grew up lower class. We weren't rich, but I had more than some of my friends. But growing up on, on that estate, you learn how to to think for yourself and to be what I consider a, a hustler, right? Um, so I think living in that environment, in that multicultural environment on, the, on that estate, you really learn the necessary attributes you need to achieve success for yourself and you know what what i mean by that is aspiring to be more than the uh options that are presented to you at at that point i Mm. I grew up i grew up on a very hostile uh you know estates you know you know very violent estates you know shootings you know stabbings it was extremely hostile um but i always you know felt that you know whilst the whilst the community that I grew up in was very multicultural. We had people of all different cultures. I felt that, you know, the road was 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 hardest for those from the African diaspora and and, mm. and, and from, for those from the black community. And you know, the the stereotypes that were put on us at that stage, we we they become your identifiers, and you you you, you begin to believe that these things that they call you is 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 really the truth. So I guess the reason why I'm bringing that up is for me growing up, I always wanted to aspire to be better. Mm. I wanted to be, I wanted to show people after me that you can be successful in fields other than what was presented to us at that point in time. So from a young age, I've always been an entrepreneur mm. and I feel like I, I, I was an entrepreneur out of necessity because mm. of the limited options that I had. So you're the, you're the, founder the originator of the boost program here at Havas and you're going to touch on on how that lived experience your lived experience yeah. has, has helped with the genesis of Havas boost but first can you talk us through the boost program itself what is it yeah so Havas boost is a business management and development program and we specialize in supporting those from underrepresented communities like the black Asian minority ethnic communities, but also all types of underrepresented communities, you know, whether that be those with disabilities, you know, or, you know, those from the LGBTQ community, for example. So the program is really there to support those underrepresented communities. And what does the program offer to those who are sponsored, those who are involved? Yeah, so I really believe that the program offers support at every level of the program. Mm. And in, an, in, in the early stages, what I like to say is the program offers applicants the, the possibility to turn their ideas into actual business plans. Mm. Then taking it further, we then give more advanced consultation. And, you know, if, we, if you make it to the stage as a finalist, then you may come out with some kind of resources mm. provided by Havas Media Group. Mm-hmm. That resource can vary right it can you know it can be capital it can be media spend or it could be just resources in the form of consultation so part of the the aim of the program is this incubation and support yeah 
the program has a coaching and mentoring um, aspect to it, as well as what I do, which is uh, business management consultation. A great example of that is helping with supply chains and, and things like that and, and business processes. This is something that we do. If we feel that your business is you know, is, is, is viable and not only that, that there's actually ways that we can help you that's kind of unique to us, then we may take it a bit further. It's, it's really quite quite interesting because, of course, you know, we've successfully completed the first year of the program. Mm-hmm. What I like to say is the first year of that program was alive. We, we did, you know, loads of live changes. So for any of the applicants listening, thank you for, for bearing with us. Thank you. Know? you. Thank you for, for, for bearing with us as we really figured out exactly what we wanted to do and finalize the end-to-end processes you know um and we now know the 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 different stages that we have to go through from application to screening to vetting Mm. to selection of applicants so let's talk about you came up with this idea you you pitched it you're delivering it today you and i talked before we started recording around some of the the systemic issues and you kindly to start off the podcast shared some of your lived experience and experience as an entrepreneur can you talk about the insights that you have you've you've done some market research around this that that led you to to realize the need for this program I mean of course there's there's so much more that needs to be done but the specific structure of the program and, and and how you've worked if you can share some of that that's great absolutely you know if we start with a report from Google you know according to Google you know startup founders do not have equal access to funding you know, in, in 2020 alone, there was less than 0.25%, 0.25% of venture capital funding that went to black-led startups. That's astounding. And even more astounding than that, only 38 black founders received venture capital funding in the last 10 years. That's 38 in the last 10 years. Th- 38 individuals in the last 10 years. 38 individuals in the, in the last 10 years received some kind of funding from a, a venture capital firm or investment firm or a bank. So, you know, those figures are directly to do with the UK, but Crunchbase recently came out with a re, uh, research uh, survey really stating that, you know, startups with at least one black founder received 1.9% of deal counts and 1.2% of overall venture dollars that were invested in the US so far this year. That's 2022. Now, you know, that's in line with the tiny sliver of funding that has typically gone to startups with black founders. Mm. You know, dollars invested have fluctuated between 0.8% and 1.3% since 2017 per year as a proportion of US funding, according to crunch-based data. You know, deal counts since 2017 have ranged slightly higher between 1.8% and 2.6%, but still astoundingly low numbers. But when really, you know, letting senior leaders know that you know this is the case and, and, and unfortunately the programs that currently exist are, are, are turning out these numbers yeah right? i mean it just it's, you shared some astounding and, and really horrible figures there which is it's not just that there's not equitable access in some cases there's just no access to capital none, none, none at all these are the kind of the base statistics but there's you know when you go into the intricacies intricacies of it all sorts of financial redlining that, that kind of happens. You know, can you talk, can you explain financial redlining to us? Yeah, a- absolutely. So redlining specifically references the uh, the process in which banks failed, they kind of came up with no-go zones, mm. right? So if you lived in a certain area, you were denied funding. And it was oftentimes those that were uh, living in 
you know low social economic areas okay. that were if you lived in this area your your declined um, funding based on that. Now you often find that banks employ this this tactic where you know if you if you fit a certain profile you're unlikely to be approved for funding or for loans. Now that profile is is usually based on where you live, you know, mm. a, a low social economic background, but also if you are a black or a minority uh, founder. Yeah. These things affect your possibility of gaining funding whereas it should be the merit of your idea. Mm. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is minority founders face roadblocks before they're even able to pitch their idea. Mm. They're declined based on where they live and who they are. And that ultimately is wrong. Yeah. And we have a responsibility to look after each other as humans, point blank, but as an amazing company that has accomplished so many things, it's not going to take a lot for us to give back. So that really is kind of the ethos of of Havas Boost. Mm. I mean what we do at Havas is we make a meaningful difference to yeah. brands, businesses and people. And that's very much part of our mission. Absolutely. I think what's what's unique is the way that you've crafted the program, and we'll, we'll talk more on that, yeah. is that you built it to support holistically yeah. and try to fix some of those, uh, some of those access uh, in inequalities. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that makes the program so unique, as Ben had just mentioned, is, is how, how we make decisions. Mm. We, we make decisions, I like to say, by democracy. Mm-hmm. So at every stage in the process, it's a, it's a collective effort. Mm. It's not just myself, you know, acting as a dictator, making decisions. We, we you know, we evaluate things thoroughly and, and make decisions as a collective. Yeah. Which you would be surprised to say, to know is quite unique when it comes down to, you know, venture capital and funding. Yeah. And this isn't uh, the present boosts not taking a stake, right? This is a this is a, yeah, a, a, a grant. This is investments grants. Yeah. That's that's correct. So more specifically, in the first year, yeah. um, we didn't take any any equity. But as yeah. as things stand, no, you know, it's it's, pu- it's purely an accelerator. It's purely a grant. Purely an accelerator and purely grants. Um, it's it, it's fantastic to to hear you talk about it and and the the small but um, impactful changes we can we can try to make together. Uh, can you tell us about some of the applicants in the first year? Yeah, absolutely. We we had a really high quality pool of, of, of applicants. You know, a lot of the applicants that ultimately did not make make the, the final, you know, round, you know, or the as as a finalist, they were it was really it was a really difficult decision to make because the quality was so high. You know, I was just speaking, you know, with one of our colleagues off mic who had met with one of these applicants uh, called Razak who is the founder of Making Numbers, mm-hmm. which was a production company. Um, very, very talented Gen Z um, uh, individual. Shout out to Razak if you're yeah. listening. Shout out Razak. And I guess the reason why I bring up Razak is he, he really embraced the program. Yeah. And, you know, I, I saw the value that we was able to give to him within the program, even though he didn't come out with the resources that he was hoping for. Yeah, you know a lot of those things that I was telling you about turning ideas into business plans. He really came out of this process, really knowing his business more, knowing what he, you know, he's capable of. Razak, so can you tell us a little bit about Razak? Uh, where should our audience check him out? He's a creator, uh, an artist. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. So his 
business is called Making Numbers. Yeah. Like I said, Razak himself is is an actor. He's a he's a creative. He's a producer. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you want to check him out, uh, perhaps we can put a link in in the description Definitely. as well. But yeah. if you just um just Google Making Numbers, yeah, you'll be able to see him. Yeah. And what she what Keys does is Keys is a wearable technology company, but also a a data protection company, mm-hmm. and she's she, she's been able to come up with her her own technology that protects your data within hardware. Mm-hmm. Right now, a big by, byproduct of the program is really helping connect her with brands that mm-hmm. will be able to benefit from her hardware and and her technology. So she didn't again similar to Razak didn't come out with the prize. Right, we had this the prize um, of the resources. But there's other ways that we can help them and, and we're continuing to do that. So let's talk about how Boost is going to support emerging media startups from underrepresented groups to kind of bring some of that effective change to, to the media ecosystem. We talked about helping helping applicants with supply chains. We talk about that 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 service as, as part of our incubator, your incubator. Um, but how how are we thinking about changes to the media ecosystem? What this program does is going to benefit the, the media ecosystem mm-hmm. by providing more choice, right? It's, 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 it's elevating voices and creatives that we may not see within the media space. Yeah. And shining a light on them is very impactful. Yeah. So by supporting them, increasing the awareness of them helps the media ecosystem, but also by providing resources, mm-hmm. by directly investing expertise, time, sharing insights, experience and contacts, you know, to these people and these underrepresented groups is something that they would not have otherwise. Mm. So if I can touch on briefly the winner, right? Yeah, the, please. The, the, We'd the, love to, the winner. Yeah. Yeah. The winner of the first year of the program is an incredible young woman called Sarah. Yeah, congratulations, Sarah. Sarah Burkai, she won all of the resources. She really blew us away to the point where instead of splitting the resource, because like you said, mm. this program is supposed to make meaningful change, to, to make meaningful investments. And as a committee, we really struggled with the idea of breaking the resources down and dividing it b- between the applicants and ultimately we decided to back the one horse and give all of the resources to Sarah and Sarah is the winner and her business is called Ambessa Play one to one Ambessa Play one to one is a stem learning kit it's a toy and children that create this toy learn stem skills in the process mm. what really blew the committee away is that it really has a meaningful, uh, you know, a, a meaningful side to it in which consumers that end up buying this toy, mm. they're buying one for a child in a displaced um, society somewhere yeah. around the world. So, you know, for any consumers who, you know, research Ambassador Play going forward and purchase the toy, you can find solace in knowing that you're buying it for someone who really needs it. Mm. It's a, a meaningful brand making a meaningful difference. Absolutely. We decided to back her. And what is unique about this specifically is we are perfectly placed to help her because Havas Media Group has a very specialist toy division mm. within Havas Entertainment mm. that is perfectly placed to help her advertise and scale her business. So that is something 
in my opinion, only Havas can do for her. We have that expertise. Well, it's, it's fantastic to hear. Congratulations again, Sarah. Um, where can where can people check out Sarah's Sarah's work, Sarah's company? Yeah, it's just ambassadorplay.com. Ambassadorplay.com. And we'll we'll leave a note in in the description. Hopefully, we we certainly will. So, what's next for Boost? What's next for the Boost program? So it's great to be able to sit here today and s- tell you that the first year of the program has been successful. Mm and has been renewed for a second wave, a second year, across multiple markets, um, if we have the capabilities to do so. And also providing value to general everyday people through providing them uh, with the Have Us Boost podcast, um, which is just a a selection of conversations just like this that provides them with insight into success and, you know, diving into the, the mindset of, you know, industry leaders who have achieved success within their industry. So I think I think that's so important because, look, you you've you've been kind enough to share your lived experience, and I think part of I should take a moment, right? Um, if if you don't know me, I'm a, a cis presenting white, increasingly middle aged guy, um, and I'm if you don't mind me saying, Gerald, like I'm yeah, I'm aware ahead. that I sort of stand on a a pyramid of privilege, right? So yeah. yeah part of doing the work is listening to your story, understanding you. And I think that's one of the things you're going to be doing with the Boost podcast, right? Absolutely. And, and, and again, you know, you know, as an ally, yeah, you know, it's, it's simply the acknowledgement that you've done, you know, that, that there is, you know, some semblance of, of, of privilege, unfortunately, you know, yeah, because you, you are a, a white yeah. man, you know, and, you know, saying that doesn't take anyone else's experiences away from them. You know, I'm completely, you know, aware that there are also people who are white who come from lower middle class backgrounds too. You know, I mentioned that I grew up on an mm. estate that was very multicultural and a lot of my friends were white and living in the same conditions as me. But the difference is when the police came, right? Yeah. You know, my white friends were able to not get searched. Yeah. So this is the inequality that we're talking about. And, and I feel like... You know the program is is there to support applicants, to support to support business, but also to support just the general consciousness yeah. of people. You know, I feel like people are going to learn more about themselves, learn more about success through this program and through the podcast. And I guess at the end of the at the end of the program, you know, I knew that we was creating incredible value for the applicants, mm. but I wanted to create more value. Yeah, and I think we're doing that, you know, with the podcast. I, I can't wait to listen to the podcast. Like, thank you for helping us to do the do the work. I'm always conscious of yeah. when we're talking to creators. You know, there's an element of kind of emotional labour that we're asking you to do you, that you're doing, and you're you're doing it now kindly. Um, but it's it's recognised and and thank you. So I, I appreciate that. You know, the, the the same way, you know, I say, you know, as an ally, it's your, it's your duty to to acknowledge and speak up about these things. I'm. I'm in a unique position and I feel that it is my duty to, to, to do what I'm doing here to help mm. people, to help push the consciousness forward, to help everybody because ultimately putting in that work does make a difference. You know, if you're listening to this, where I am now started from just a, a small idea, you know. So if you have a small idea to change the world, just act on it. Gerald, it's so powerful. Right? You, you're an inspiration, really. Thank you so and much. And I think man. I think to hear you speak with such such passion so articulately and and the way that you are tackling 
systemic these systemic issues and bringing them into light is is just so powerful all i want to say is I'm, I'm really just getting started you know i'm i'm extremely honored to be working with have a you know media group and they you know they trust me to to really lead this charge and i, I don't take it lightly We like to finish the Meaningful Media podcast with the Fast Five. So it's five quick questions talking about your Meaningful Media, the media that matters to you. And I am going to add a sixth surprise one on to put you on the spot. Talk so, to me, I'm excited. Let's go. Uh, so yeah, so um, we'll um, we'll do the we'll do the first Fast Five, um, the normal Fast Five first, and then I'll, I'll I'll sneak in my secret question. Okay, so what is your Meaningful Media right now? So for me personally, my meaningful media for me is 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 books. Yeah. And writing. Interesting. Because I am actually a writer myself. So you write yourself, yeah. And it's meaningful to me because it, it you know, it, it allows me, you know, we talked about, you know, learning from people's lived experience. Yeah. And I feel everybody tells everybody sees life through a very specific lens. Yeah. And the reason why writing and books is my meaningful media right now is because it it allows me outside of programs like this to really, um, you know, tell stories through the lens of the life that I've I've seen. Yeah, yeah. So, what's the media that you start your day with? The media that I start my day with is music. Any particular app? Spotify. Spotify. I'm gonna plug you guys Spotify because you you've been holding me down. Shout shout out to Spotify and your playlist curation. What media do you turn to when you you're looking to get inspired? I'm going to steal yours and I'm gonna say podcasts. Yeah. Okay. Podcasts. When it comes down to inspiration, there there's there's countless that really put the back the battery in my back you know you know whether it's someone talking about their life simply their life audio is such a powerful media yeah. isn't it? any any audio rec- is really any recommended podcasts yeah well, of course we'll be checking out the have us the have us boost podcast, yeah so anyway. have us boost podcast is, is the first plug the yeah. second plug is the meaningful mod uh, meaningful media podcast stop it okay we got we got to plug our own stop it the third i would say would be earn your leisure earn your leisure yeah podcast to affluent black men giving financial advice i love it earn um, your leisure we'll include that in the in the links as well yeah yeah and the final one i guess just for ease of listening would be the new rory and more podcast rory and more R- rory and more N- new rory and more new rory and more yeah let's check it out what's your media guilty pleasure oh my media guilty pleasure it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one, Ben. I guess my media guilty pleasure would be independent bespoke films. Mm, okay. So, like, when I'm alone, I like to watch a, a, a cheeky French film. Yeah. You know, you know, do you know what I mean? Or, or like a... Specialist like, film. Yeah, like a specialist film or like a... Just something that is out of the norm for me. Yeah, where do you find them? What's the platform? So I do, I do a lot of um, a lot of independent um, research. I go to a lot of uh, film screenings, like independent film screenings. I, I like to go to film festivals as well, which is a great one. Mm. Um, or just you know your 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 common streaming streaming apps. You can have one media. This is the the hardest one, right? You can have one media platform for the rest of your life. Which one is it, 
and why? Oh, that is the hardest one, Ben. It's going to be Spotify. It's going to be Spotify. It's going to be Spotify. I can't live without music. Wow. I, feel, I can't live without well, music. You know, also with Spotify is podcasts and now yeah, audio and books. Yeah, too. And now audio books. books. You're getting... Yeah, yeah, Everything have, I need would be on there for me. We're going to have to change the rules and maybe take Spotify out. It's just getting too <laughs> big as a platform. <laughs> Everything I need will be on there for me. If I'm stuck on an island, give me a Spotify with unlimited data. I'll be all right. There we go. Um, okay, so the, the sort of cheeky sixth question, which uh, we haven't prepped you for. Um, who are the kind of creators, artists that you, we should check out? Who should we support? Who are you seeing that's up and coming and you know, we should lend our ears or eyes to? I love that question. I love, love, love that question. And I have so many. <laughs> I think if you're a lover of music specifically hip-hop and you're tired of subjects that are a bit above you or or or, or something that makes you uncomfortable i would consider transley ben even if you're not a hip-hop fan go and listen to transley's latest album i'm gonna check it out yeah It's, it's called social currency social currency and the title of that album sums up you know you know both of our current philosophy right Mm. we are rich in social currency yeah yeah so check check that out if you got another one give it to us okay i would say check out guap check out my guys at guap yeah you know large up jade and ibrahim you know i'm always gonna plug you guys yeah check out guap guap and guap magazine because there you're going to be able to find um, real unique parts of culture that yeah. you you wouldn't find anywhere else. Yeah, they they dedicate their time to finding the creatives that you have to know. Emerging creatives, Emer- right? emerging, creatives. emerging creatives. Yeah, that's that's exactly their mantra: covering emerging creatives. So if you, I mean, that's Guap is a like fantastic, fantastic recommendation. Yeah, if if you're in the industry, even if you're not, like exactly you that. should you should be checking out um, checking out these folks like. If you want to find emerging creatives, you want to see this talent, um, you know, getting, getting a window, like, that's the home. Absolutely. So they're on uh, guap.co, I think. That's correct. So uh, we'll include the links for that uh, in, in the show notes. Gerald, thank you so much. That was awesome. That's a great place to finish. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on today's episode. A big thanks to my fantastic guest for joining me. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on all things meaningful media, the media that matters. Drop us a mail at podcast at havasmg.com. That's podcast at havasmg.com. Please do subscribe, like, share the Meaningful Media podcast on your preferred platform so you don't miss any of our episodes. And you can follow us on our socials, all addresses in the show notes. Once again, thanks. Join me, Ben Downing soon for more perspectives on meaningful media.